0: Our first scripture reading today comes from the fourth chapter of the book Jeremiah, verses 23 through 28. I looked on the earth, and lo, it was waste and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all. And all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all of its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, The whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. This concludes the first reading. Our second scripture reading comes from the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 30 through 31. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall and be exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I wanted to thank you for uh, blessing us last Sunday. We went on our gleaning trip to Alamosa to work with La Puente, and our gleaner group was uh, seven of us. The youngest was sixty; the oldest was eighty-seven. So, so just so you know, mission work is not just for young people. So we did a we were a fantastic group, and we. I'm trying to make this. Um, not like the fish story, like every time I tell it, it, there's another pound I've added to the pounds of potatoes we've gleaned. But almost 200 pounds, wasn't that right? Where, where are you, team? It's 200 pounds of potatoes we gleaned at La Puente. And we gave it to their soup kitchen or their pantry so that folks could have food for the upcoming month. And um, so just thank you for your blessing for that. Um, we are a Just Peace Church. So what does the he- in the heck does that mean? United Church of Christ had the audacity in 1985 to declare that shalom, peace with justice, is possible. We as a congregation adopted the Just Peace designation in 2017. Being a Just Peace Church means that we will seek the unity of justice and peace as shalom, as the only way that peace is possible. Just Peace has sponsored compassionate communication classes, affinity groups for immigration issues, and partnership with the Sanctuary Coalition, and an affinity group for environmental justice that meets today after the second service. Other affinity groups will emerge as interests arise. So if you have an interest that you would like to gather around, be sure to talk to me or Rich Law, and these small groups will become the seedbeds of transformation as we learn from one another about an issue and explore possible actions of social justice. One such action was the climate strike that happened on Friday. Members of FCC were present at City Hall with hundreds of students and young people for the Colorado Springs Climate Strike Friday. It was powerful. Listening to youth speak out on behalf of the earth as they carried signs One of them said, I'll be 21 in 2030. You will die of old age and I will die of climate change. Young Swedish activist Greta Thunberg arrived Friday morning in New York and spoke in front of tens of thousands of people with the Statue of Liberty in the background. This adolescent cries out for the anguish of the earth like the prophet Jeremiah cries out for God. Will we hear her? In Jeremiah, the people have abandoned God. In Isaiah, the people feel abandoned by God. Relationships are that way, aren't they? They take work. Sometimes we feel very connected, and other times disconnected. And when that happens, we need to speak up, or cry out, or reconnect and stay in relationship. Sometimes we need to repent and say we're sorry, hear the hurt, have compassion offer forgiveness, and value the relationship. We need to heal trust and renew bonds, establish a new basis of relationship as we grow through the the ups and the downs of relational life. Well, how did you feel after hearing that passage of Jeremiah about the void, the desolation? Right now, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor or Think about it if you're not around anybody, but think to yourself and complete the sentence. When I consider the condition of the world, I turn to your neighbor. The prophet Jeremiah calls for lament. The picture of devastation is a dismantling of creation, a decreation, if you will, and a return to the beginning of creation's chaos. The covenant with God and the creation is so connected that the dissolution of one threatens the other. Apocalyptic texts are meant to unmask our denial. Are we defilers of God's creation? Police body cams show people gunned down. Children at the border are taken from their parents with no records to reunite them. Sexual harassment stories spur the Me Too movement. Economic collapse grows the nation's largest homeless population. Even if there was no climate change, we would still be in trouble. Oil becomes less available, fuel prices rise, recession follows with financial stress. And this energy famine threatens the the collapse of the industrial economy. We are extracting more fresh water than is being replenished. Wells are drying up, agricultural land is shrinking. With more people consuming, we create more waste. The visible stuff creating continents of plastic in the ocean. The invisible stuff like carbon dioxide logged at an average of 8.1 tons a year by Europeans and twice as much by Americans. The shore of Lake krache in Chelyabinsk, probably mispronouncing all of this, in the province of Russia, it doesn't look hazardous, yet it is so contaminated that you can reach lethal doses of radiation just by standing on the shore for an hour. I think this is evidence that we have been worshiping other gods. We have to return to ancient texts, our ancestors' wisdom. Isaiah reminds us that each generation must be taught our values again and again. Written for a future generations so that we don't make the same mistakes. Or if we do make the same mistakes, we can be alerted before it's too late. We have this word. Have we heard it? Our religious assumption says that God, as creator, created us out of love, created all of creation, and we are a part of that creation. Have we forgotten to include the earth? As the beloved of God. When we fight for humanity, have we forgotten the creatures of God's creation? And in that forgetfulness, we have damaged the very things we've sought to save. We could be suffering from affluenza. Author Joanna Macy, in the book, I have it right here, where'd I put it? Active Hope. Joanna Macy and Chris Johnstone. She talks about affluenza as an emotional distress that arises from preoccupation with possessions and appearances. It's a disease transmitted by advertising. The symptom is consumerism. Did you know that there are more resources consumed in the last 50 years than all preceding years in human history? and we are not any happier. Depression has reached epidemic proportions, and we fear acknowledging how bad things are because it will send us into this spiral of despair, and if we sink so low, how will we recover? Our planet faces a life-threatening condition. Honoring our pain for the world is a way of valuing the world. Sorrow ripens in our hearts, making good rich compost out of our grief so we can learn from it and enhance our larger collective knowledge guilt is a corrosive a corrective feeling that indicates that our actions are not aligned with our values tiknot han was asked what do we need to do to save our world and he replied what we need most to do is here within us the sounds of the earth crying. We are deeply embedded in this web of life. The whole creation groans through us, much like the anguish of God was felt through Jeremiah. We were called to ancient paths to find a good way, remembered, retold, corrected, and written down. In Jeremiah, we see the crisis of Israel's history, Josiah, the ruler at the time, was an assertive nationalist and eliminated other religions. Wars were fought among the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, and the kingdom of Judah over the control of the fertile crescent. In the final chapters of Kings and Jeremiah, we discover that the kingdom of Judah is conquered, and their present king, Zedekiah, is forced to watch each of his sons executed before the Babylonians put out his eyes. The temple was destroyed during that time, and the people forced into exile. We have a choice of which story to follow. If crisis strikes, we could, like the story in the Old Testament, be in danger of falling into factions fighting for what's left over. We could continue to follow business-as-usual assumptions. Economic growth is essential for prosperity. Nature is a commodity to be used by human purposes. Promoting consumption is good for the economy. The central plot of life is to get ahead. The problems of other peoples and nations and species are not our concern. Or we can open our eyes to what Joanna Macy calls the great unraveling. Economic decline, resource depletion, climate change social division and war, mass extinction of species. Crisis is also known to pull us together, where the wonderful can come wrapped in the terrible, where the rising seas can call us to rise to the occasion, where we can find joy in our sorrow and courage in our fear, where we seek peace in justice and find our faith in action. After all, that's all, what's all this church stuff for if it's not to prepare us for something like this? We have the recipe of community. We dare to believe the impossible. We dare to believe in the vision and act on that belief. We at FCC work at cultures of care and nonviolent communication and spiritual formation. There are plenty of ways to tend your soul in the ministry fair next week. Come check it out in between the two services. What if the crisis leaps us into an evolutionary shift? It's happened before. The agricultural shift to the industrial shift changed the whole way of life and the way people looked at themselves. Why not shift to an ecological revolution? Corporate and governmental decisions are based on just a few years, hardly even decades but we value more than just a few generations. When we look at our our family tree, I don't think we're willing to draw a line at some future generation saying that that one no longer matters. Our family tree is where we value the characters who came and played their part and died, and yet the tree continues to thrive. But let's go deeper. There's a forest trees their roots are connected deep in the soil what if we went deeper in our identity made of the same stuff as mother earth we are a part of the living body of earth in an unbroken lineage that has survived five mass extinctions this three and a half billion year old earth has a strong desire to survive this desire has a powerful creative energy surging through those of us willing to see and hear and feel what is happening to the earth. John Seed writes I'm not protecting the rainforest, I'm part of the rainforest protecting itself. We can align with the well being of the world and allow that creative energy to act through us, where we see community. In all of life, in the trees and in the insects and in the birds, as our extended family. That's a Christian value that's part of our religious heritage. In Genesis, in Genesis, there are two creation stories, and in them, we are the guardian and the gardener of creation. We are given responsibility for the well being of the earth. And that creation was beautiful in a household of creatures meant to live and thrive and multiply. And in that story, we fell away from God in our original vocation. In a sense, we overstepped our boundaries and lost our job. And if the fall away from God is a fall away from our original vocation as creation's gardener, then salvation means the return to it. Even the Sabbath day and the sabbatical year included domestic and wild animals, and even the land itself is beneficiaries of Sabbath rest. We are called to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome strangers, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and visit those in prison. Climate change will devastate all of those. It already is. In the book of Revelation, the prophet describes a new heaven and a new earth, and that vision isn't somewhere else. Instead, heaven descends to earth, preserving, transforming, renewing this creation. If we believe that God made and dearly loves the earth and God made us its gardeners and calls us to renew the earth, then this feeling of sadness and fear is well-founded, maybe even healthy, because it's up to us to pay attention to it and we can let it motivate us. We can be activists for God's earth. And that doesn't mean just came campaigning and marching and protesting like we did on Friday, though all those things are really, really helpful. But it's about shifting our consciousness. Apply where we work best, acting from our own strengths, and finding our place of greatest fit. Finding where Frederick Buechner calls the where our deep gladness and the world's deep need meet. And I can guarantee you that activism offers a far more reliable path to a satisfying life than consumerism. So, in the light of the youth of climate change and strike, the climate strike, let's hear Isaiah 40 again as a call to us today. Can you repeat after me? Even youth will faint and grow weary, the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let the people say, Amen.